Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans Cape Cod, BirdWatchersGeneralStore.com, and proudly sponsored by Ocean State Bird Club. We'd like to invite all of Ray's listeners to join us on one of our free upcoming walks at birding hotspots throughout Rhode Island. Explore the smallest state in the Union with the biggest variety of birds by visiting our website, www.OceanStateBirdClub.org, for more information. You can also follow us on Facebook. Find out all we have to offer birders with Ocean State Bird Club. Good morning. Welcome to our show number 719. Why are the following birds especially noteworthy today? The 17th of March, Lewis's woodpecker, Anna's hummingbird, and Mallard. Well, it's because it's St. Patrick's Day, and they all have green feathers. Happy St. Pat's. We'd like to welcome a new radio station affiliate to the Talking Birds family today. 1540 AM, WADK in beautiful Newport, Rhode Island. Welcome WADK, Newport's own radio station. Now listen carefully uh, for this. Just because it's kind of hard to hear. That real squeaky little sound in the foreground is our mystery bird, and this is a preview of our mystery bird contest. We'll do it a little bit later on in the show. A couple of clues about our mystery bird... Although it was long thought that zebras were white animals with black stripes. Scientific evidence, though, indicates that the animal's background color is black and that the white stripes and white belly are additions. Not sure if that evidence applies to today's mystery bird, but its colors and pattern are pretty zebra-like. Our bird creeps along tree trunks and branches, gleaning insects, caterpillars, and spiders from the bark and the leaves, and it's the only small bird in North America of the color and pattern we just described that does that. little preview there. Fabulous prizes include the Droll Yankees Double Suet Feeder with heavy gauge wire that holds up for years of use, among other things. Bonus prizes, a download to your iOS device or online access to the LarkWire app, the app that makes learning bird sounds a game, plus we have another bonus prize today. It's a two-pound bag of delicious, bird-friendly, birds and beans coffee. So that's a preview of our mystery bird contest coming along a little bit later on in the show. We have a conservation salute today to the mayor of yours truly's hometown, the great city of Boston. Mayor Marty Walsh says the city will begin installing chargers, uh, charging stations for electric vehicles in municipal parking lots across the city and will require them in new private commercial garages as well. It's one of several efforts the mayor revealed this week to reduce carbon emissions. Quoting the mayor, to be clear, what will cost us the most is doing nothing. If we don't act, carbon emissions will pose a threat to both public health and economic growth. So salute to Boston Mayor Marty Walsh for helping to advance the cause of clean automobile energy. Well, right now you're probably asking yourself, what is it that keeps birds in flocks together and keeps them from crashing into each other? Well, we may have at least a partial answer to that question this morning. Let's find out as we visit with our own Debbie Bleacher in the Talking Birds Science Corner. Come up to the lab and see what's on the slab. 
Well, good morning, Debbie. And what do you have to report about this? Good morning, Ray. A new study at the physics department of New York University shows that flapping motions help keep birds, or fish, together in groups. It also helps keep them from crashing into each other, even at high speeds. A doctoral candidate named Joel Newbolt led this research. So what was their method? It involved robots. How cool is that? The researchers built two hydrofoils that moved like flapping wings or tails. A motor made the hydrofoils flap, and the flapping motion propelled the hydrofoils. So you can imagine two fish swimming, one behind the other in a little pool, or two birds flying, one ahead of the other. Mm -hmm. What did they find? Well, the researchers found that even when the flappers flapped at different speeds from each other, they wouldn't collide. Apparently, the flapper in the lead creates a wake, and the flapper behind it sort of surfs on the wake. So if you think about a school of fish or a flock of birds, the leader's wake will pull a follower forward if it falls too far behind, and it will repel a follower if it gets too close. Hmm. This is true no matter how fast the group is traveling. Pretty fascinating stuff. And was there anything in their findings that we might apply to human propulsion? I had to think about this. Of course, since birds and fish already know how to move in groups, so this research doesn't help them. But then I realized that this research isn't really about how birds and fish move. It's more about how air and water move. Mm. So if we understand that a flapping object creates a wake that helps another flapper travel at a safe distance, maybe we can use that understanding to help us design self-driving vehicles. Mm. Or maybe to help us refine wind and hydroelectric power. The physics of movement has all kinds of applications, even at home. Oh? Well, yeah, we at my home anyway. We have pet tortoises at my house. When one of them walks behind the other, they sometimes bump into each other, and they get mad, and they fight. So maybe we should put wings on them and see if it helps. I'd love to see our tortoises zipping around the hummingbird feeders in a couple of months. What an, what an image. That's our Debbie Bleacher reporting from the Talking Bird Science Corner and working on an ambitious plan for when tortoises fly. Thank you, Debbie. You're welcome, Ray. That's our uh, little visit to the uh, Talking Bird Science Corner here this morning on our show number 719. Well, we're fortunate to be able to say, as we have been doing for a long time now, thank you to more Talking Birds ambassadors, Talking Birds listeners who have uh, agreed to let us send them some of our cards so they can hand out to their friends and neighbors and help uh, promote our show and birds and conservation and thank you to ken s from bellingham washington who by the way if that sounds a little bit familiar he was our mystery bird contest winner last week that's kind of happened in different ways two weeks in a row so thank you ken he says i've been birding and photographing birds for 40 years and have served on two audubon boards currently i'm teaching classes on birding and wildlife photography mostly birds at the local Community College. Thank you, Ken, and thank you to Donna Frankie from Calgary, Alberta, Canada. She says, I recently discovered the Talking Birds podcast and now listen to past episodes as I commute to work. Especially enjoy the featured feathered friend and mystery bird segments and the banter between Ray and Ray and Mike. Excuse me, she says, I mean Mr. O'Connor. Yeah, that's what we're calling him now. She says, I've been a birder for many years and I enjoy learning all I can about birds. I bird with a local group in Calgary called the Friends of Fish Creek Provincial Park and have told many of my fellow birders about your podcast. Adana also tells us that her maiden name was Fowl, so she was destined (laughs) to be a birder. She also says she's made it part of her birding bucket list to visit our fine state of Massachusetts and Mike O'Connor's Birdwatchers General Store 
on Cape Cod. So get ready to roll out that red carpet, Mr. O'Connor. To become an ambassador, as uh, Donna and Ken have done, just click on the contact button at TalkingBirds.com and choose the Become an Ambassador option. Still to come on our show today, we'll talk with the Chief Executive Officer of a very important group called the Plastic Pollution Coalition. Deanna Cohen will be telling us what they're trying to do to save birds, fish, whales, seals, dolphins, and people from the perils of plastic pollution. Plus, we'll check in with Mike O'Connor, and up next, we take you back to early spring 1940 to hear a song that will introduce us to today's Talkin' Birds featured feathered friend, presented by Birdwatching Magazine for more than a quarter century. Birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. Quick like a rabbit, I gets me a thought. So I ups to him and I say, What you say? Ooh, Mr. Meadowlark, we've got an awful lot of serenading to do. Who to? Ooh, Mr. Meadowlark. And there it is, the clear, melodious whistle of the eastern meadowlark. A familiar and welcome sound across the farms and grasslands of eastern North America. I remember watching eastern meadowlarks zipping around the fields at a beautiful place called Fort Hill in East Ham on Cape Cod, overlooking the great Nauset Marsh. Despite the name, by the way, the eastern meadowlark is not a member of the lark family, but related instead to blackbirds and orioles. He's a medium-sized, kind of stocky songbird, and pretty easy to identify thanks to that big black V across the yellow chest of the male and female. The throat and belly are also bright yellow, and he has a streaked brown back and white outer tail feathers, a long slender bill, black eyes, and long, elegant, pinkish legs. The Eastern Meadow Lark, today's featured feathered friend. And if they squawk, then you got to square it. Square it. I'll tell them you're tight with two blackbirds from Boston. Ooh, then I'll get on my mark. Yes, Mr. Meadow Lark, good night. Welcome again to our show, number 719 here on St. Patrick's Day. Uh, 2019. Our Talking Birds website, we hope you visit talkingbirds.com. Please do follow us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram at Talking Birds. Deanna Cohen is Chief Executive Officer of the Plastic Pollution Coalition. It's a global alliance of more than 700 organizations, businesses, and thought leaders in 60 countries working toward a world free of plastic pollution and its toxic impact on humans, animals, waterways, and oceans, and our environment in general. And Deanna joins us on the phone right now. Good morning, Deanna. Good morning, Ray. How are you? Doing well, thank you. Great to have you on with us and all this great work you're doing. And boy, there's some frightening statistics, uh, especially concerning the plastic, uh, Deanna, that ends up in our oceans, including statistics uh, related to birds, certainly. Just how big is the problem? Well, plastic pollution is a global crisis, and it's interesting because it's a crisis that is now beginning to be in our face. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for a long time we lived thinking that there was an away, and that when we put things in our garbage or in our recycling receptacle, if we were lucky enough to have some kind of recycling infrastructure in our town or city where we live, 
that it actually was processed in some way, but we're we're learning now that that's not the case necessarily. Not that I want to dissuade anyone from putting things in a recycling bin, mm-hmm. but recycling is a really nice idea. <laughs> it only works if you have an infrastructure that supports it. Well, we know that China recently placed some big restrictions on accepting plastic for recycling from the U.S. And on your website, there's a story about tons of plastic being sent to other countries now that really aren't equipped to handle it uh, properly. Where are we on that front? Uh, well, we're, we're not in good shape. And it's, we're calling it, it's called the China Sword. And China uh, announced in the last couple of years that they were no longer going to take our recycling from the United States, which were being shipped in containers and, and being shipped from many other, I would say, developed countries. Mm-hmm. And and uh, so now that they're not taking it, the question really is, you know, we are being forced to deal with, to basically deal, deal with our own trash. And I find it interesting because, you know, nature doesn't create any waste. And granted, the planet has had millions of years uh, to evolve, but Nature doesn't create any waste. And we need to think about that for a minute. Why are we creating so much waste? And in such a short amount of time, really really since the Industrial Revolution, creating waste that is just does not does not go back to the earth. It's not it's not organic, it doesn't biodegrade, or it takes four or five lifetimes, we're not even sure. And why are we designing our packaging and materials and products that we use? with a material that is going to last for this long when it's intended to be used for five minutes. And maybe the flip side of that in terms of we being responsible for this is the idea that sometimes plastic pollution maybe doesn't get real traction until it becomes clear that it's a human health issue. I wonder if you'd comment on that aspect. Yeah, so that's one of the things that really attracted me to the work that we're doing and part of the reason that we founded a global coalition is that it's not, you know, when you look at the issue of plastic and plastic pollution and what it's doing to our environment and around us, you have to look at the whole chain. And where does that chain start? It starts with extraction and mining and war because most plastic is made from byproducts of processing petroleum. So a lot of people don't know that plastic is primarily made from petroleum and oil. That's one. Then we ship it we use it in manufacturing, we manufacture it, we produce it, we use it in production, and it impacts people who work in factories and companies that are working with the material. But then we go on to, yeah, actually, in a way, it's, it's funny because plastic is really, and the way that plastic is impacting, in particular, birds and humans, health-wise, it is the canary in the coal mine, you know. <laughs> We are seeing birds, which are so sensitive to this issue, are really the harbingers. They're the messengers bringing this message back to us of this whole supply chain that I'm describing, which goes then through production and then transport again, delivery of products to us, people buying beverages in plastic bottles, people buying food packaged in plastic, and it impacts our health at that point as well because plastic is made with chemicals, which are added to the carbon source, phthalates and bisphenols, and these groups of chemicals, which plasticize things, they're the plasticizers, have also been identified as endocrine disruptors, which means that they impact our endocrine system. So they function, and bisphenol A and bisphenols have been studied the most, they impact 
our body like estrogen. Mm-hmm. And so they turn things on and off in our body when we're not supposed to turn them on and off. And I'll come back to that. But then as soon as we've used the product or the packaging, it's instantly a waste issue and a waste management issue. And what happens to that? It, it goes into landfill, which is really just a hole that we've dug somewhere in the environment. It ends up in our lakes, in our rivers, in our, in our streams. It, 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 it is incinerated. And when it, we incinerate it or we put it into a kind of waste-to-energy model and think, oh, there, it's done, it's all gone, what we actually do is create particulate pollution and release dioxins and other chemicals into the atmosphere. And all of these things and this whole chain contributes in a massive way to climate change and global warming Mm -hmm. and impacts our health. So I'll come back to the impact to human health with this issue. The chemicals in plastic have been linked for humans to diabetes and obesity, and these chemical phthalates have been identified as obesogens, which means that they make our body hold more fat. They've also been linked to um, to um, sterility, infertility, lower sexual function, as well as to brain cancer, prostate cancer, and breast cancer. So, and that's just what it's doing to humans and adults, which have been studies have been done. But when you look at the impact of these chemicals and the exposure to babies in utero, so babies in the womb exposed to these chemicals, and we know that in the United States alone, based on studies that have been done, babies in their umbilical cord blood can have more than 220 different chemicals that are being passed from the mom to the baby. These chemicals, particularly these plastic chemicals, have been linked to shortened anogenital distance, smaller penis size, feminization of boys, so boys getting breasts or pudgy breasts, early menses in girls, attention deficit disorder, and lower IQ. Dramatic stuff. We're very short on time, Deanna, but I wonder if you could, we'll wrap up by asking you some of the most effective efforts maybe to currently deal with plastic pollution and what's your optimism-pessimism range? (laughs) So there are wonderful alternatives to plastic. And I would say the most basic thing that we can each do as individuals for ourselves, our own health, and the health of our families is immediately make a conscious effort to begin to buy things with less packaging. So not be attracted to purchasing all of our food in plastics if possible. And that really depends on where you live because plastic also disproportionately impacts people in lower income communities. And they don't have choice when they go to the market and they may live closer to production facilities or you know petrochemical facilities or um, waste management facilities and that really it can impact people's health so i would say the easiest thing that we can do is remember to bring our own bag bring lots of bags with you inside your bag when you go to the market so that you can fill them up you don't need tiny little plastic bags for every single vegetable that you buy vegetables can touch each other it's okay and fruit can touch each other. It's okay. I go to the farmer's market. I live in Southern California, so I know I'm lucky. I can go all year, and I bring my own baskets. I'm like Little Red Riding Hood with um, (laughs) baskets and bags, and I try to buy things in glass, packaging glass. I'll bring my own containers, my own glass jars with me, and use those. Mm -hmm. I think that that's preferable and probably better for your health. And small changes like that, just places where you can read read about the products that you're buying, make sure that they don't have microbeads in them, um, 
when it comes to, for example, whitening toothpaste or scrubs. Mm. You know, obviously don't microwave anything in plastic. It's not good for you. If you bought something that's packaged in plastic, move it to a ceramic or a glass bowl when you put it in the microwave. And, and if you put plastic in the dishwasher, it also will leach more of these chemicals. Mm. So you just want to, you want to do a Steady, slow, move away from the plastic. Move away from the plastic for yourself, for your kids, for what your kids are being served at school, in your place of work. I carry bamboo utensils with me every day. I love to drink iced tea and sometimes lemonade and margaritas. I carry a stainless steel reusable straw. I mean, it's very, I think it's very simple to begin to address this on a personal, uh, you know, level. And, and those little steps can have large ramifications in that you influence and inspire other friends and people and family around you to begin to open your eyes to this problem. When I go into a place, I say, no straw, please. When I order a drink, I Indeed. look around and see what they're serving. Indeed. These are easy Deanna little will, things. Indeed. Yeah. We have to leave it there. We're just out of time here. But thank you. Deanna Cohen is the Chief Executive Officer of the Plastic Pollution Coalition. Find out more about the amazing and important things they're doing at PlasticPollutionCoalition.org. Deanna, thanks for being on the show, and thank you for your great work. You're welcome, Ray. And sorry I didn't get to mention the albatross, but people can look them up. There's a beautiful film mm-hmm. called Albatross as well. Indeed. Coming up next here, it's our Mystery Bird Contest in just one minute. <laughs> Tanzania hosts more than a thousand bird species. And on safari with Nasera Safaris, you'll see the birds and the big five. The lion, leopard, elephant, rhino, and cape buffalo. That's Nasera Safaris founder and guide, Joseph Dunguru. And Nasera Safaris provides more, says co-founder David Clapp. We offer customized safaris and mountain climbing adventures in Tanzania, Kenya, and Uganda, and gorilla trekking in both Uganda and Rwanda. Going on safari in Africa is an unforgettable experience, and there's no better way to do it than with Nasera Safaris. See their website for details, nasera-safaris.com. N-A-S-E-R-A, Nasera Safaris. Jumping right in here to the Mystery Bird Contest, there's the squeaky wheel sound of our mystery bird. It's a black and white bird with uh, black, uh, white stripes and a white belly. Uh, it creeps along trunks and branches, gleaning insects from uh, along those uh, branches and along caterpillars and spiders from the bark and the leaves. The only small bird in North America of the color and pattern, that black and white stripe uh, that, that actually does that stuff. So those are some clues. We have three beautiful prizes, a droll Yankees double suet feeder, perfect for treating your backyard birds to their favorite suet or fruit, plus a bonus prize, a download to your iOS device or online access to the LarkWire app, and a two-pound bag of delicious bird-friendly birds and beans coffee. Here is the number. Please call us as soon as you can. We are even more close to being out of time than usual this morning here. So please uh, call us uh, as quickly as you can. Don't forget, uh, an incorrect guest may still be a winner because a drawing will determine our winner if no correct answer is received. 781-837-4900 is the number. That's 781-837-4900. 
please call us as quickly as you can. 781-837-4900. Meanwhile, Mike O'Connor at the Birdwatchers General Store. Let's ask Mike live in just one minute. Talking Birds, we're for the birds. And we want to say thanks to another Talking Birds ambassador who's helping to spread the word about birds and conservation. My name is Cliff Hawley, and I'm calling from Sacramento, California. I became a Talking Birds ambassador because I just think there is not enough content out there for folks that love birds, especially radio or podcast content. I think you should become a Talking Birds ambassador because it's a great show and there are people out there that don't know it exists yet and they really should. Talking Birds listeners, we hope you'll become a Talking Birds ambassador. Just visit our website, TalkingBirds.com. Click on the contact button and then choose the Become an Ambassador option. We'll send you some info cards to hand out to your friends and neighbors. That's the contact button at TalkingBirds.com. And thanks. Mike O'Connor down there at the Birdwatchers General Store is not only looking at birds these days, but he's taking pictures of them with his phone onto an app and figuring out what they were, not that he didn't already know. Good morning, Mike. Hey, good morning. Well, yeah, absolutely. Um, last last Sunday, um, I, I, got, I got an email from a customer wanting to know, when he uses his phone, can he take a picture, and is there a way to adapt to what, adapt to what identify the bird? And before I could... I didn't really know that there was one, yeah. but before I could respond to the guy, a, a, a couple came in, and they were showing me this this app on their phone. It's called iBird Photo Sleuth, and um, they were showing me how it worked, and they they were thrilled that they were showing me something that I didn't already know. People get the biggest kick out of that. <laughs> we know more than you. It's a first. So, but I immediately downloaded it, and um, it cost... $10 for me, $5 for Casey, my son, because he's got a, a more up-to-date version of iBird, I guess. Hmm. But it's so it's somewhere between five and ten dollars, and it's so worth it. It's it really, really, really is cool. Whatever f- picture you take, you you just send it to this app. You just click it. You center it just like you center any kind of picture. You can kind of squeeze it and make it larger, and then you click, and then it tells you what it is in percentages. So if it's really sure, say ninety nine percent, this is a song sparrow, or seventy three percent, and then it'll give you a couple of other options. Now there's other, you know, that doesn't have a place to put input like location, behavior, yeah. and that's you know, that's for you to kind of inco- incorporate. But it's it's really cool, and if you've got a lot of pictures you've taken over the years and they're on your phone through the cloud or whatever, you can go back and actually think, okay, I used to think this was, you know, I know, I know, we're out of time. <laughs> well, yeah, and I just wanted to thank you because uh, thanks to you, I got this app too. It's really cool. I, I, it really is cool. Yeah. It's worth it for five yeah. or ten bucks. Try it, and you'll yeah. and you know, then you won't have to come bugging people like me with you know what this, what's this bird, what's that bird. You'll be yeah. able to do it yourself. But I don't make any money on it, so I'm not happy about it. But I think it's worth trying. And, and we don't either. We have no affiliation with the company. It's just a <laughs> cool app. Yeah. I bird. All right. Happy St. Patrick's Day, Ray. Happy St. Patrick's Day to you, Mike. Talk to you next week. You got it. Yep. Bye. For over a quarter century, Birdwatching Magazine has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. Regular contributors include expert birders and authors such as Ken Kaufman, David Sibley, Pete Dunn, Laura Erickson, and others. Learn more at birdwatchingdaily.com. All right, we're back at the Mystery Bird Contest. Um, 781-837-4900 is the 
number to call, and it's a black and white bird that we're trying to identify here, a small one, black with white stripes or white with black stripes, either way you want to uh, kind of go with that, a bird that creeps along tree trunks and branches, going after insects and caterpillars and spiders grabbed on the bark and leaves. What is it? 781-837-4900 is the number. And I believe we have Donna in Townsend, Massachusetts. Good morning, Donna. Good morning, Ray. Good morning. How are you? Um, well, thanks. How are things in Townsend? Nice and sunny today, I think, right? They are. They're beautiful. It's a little chilly, but little we'll, chilly. we'll take it. We got sun. Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah. I'm look, actually looking out my window. I have a small flock of red-winged blackbirds here today. Oh, nice. So, oh, we're getting Which a is signal. unusual. We don't... Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, we're, 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 I'm sorry. We're just running out of time here, so we're going to call for your yep. answer. Yep, black and white warbler. You've got it. Black and white warbler. Woo! <laughs> nice job, Donna. Thank you so much. Stay on the line, and uh, oh. Jesse will get your info, and we'll send you that okay, cool stuff. thank you. Thank you, okay. Donna. That's Donna in Townsend, Massachusetts, correctly identifying the black and white warbler as our mystery bird. Next week on our show... The one, the only, the great, um, David Clapp will be here with us in studio. Thanks to our amazing Talking Birds team, Debbie Bleacher, Freya, Freya McGregor, Homa Sarabi Done, and our engineer, Jesse Wilkins. And special thanks to you, Debbie, for the Science Corner. Oh, you're welcome. This morning. I'm Ray Brown. See you next week. Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans Cape Cod, birdwatchersgeneralstore.com and proudly sponsored by Ocean State Bird Club. We'd like to invite all of Ray's listeners to join us on one of our free upcoming walks at birding hotspots throughout Rhode Island. Explore the smallest state in the Union with the biggest variety of birds by visiting our website, www.oceanstatebirdclub.org, for more information.